This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, what is about to be the new normal for sports. Empty arenas and, and empty stadiums initially. You, you don't see anything differently, do you? No, and I'm totally okay with that. Ideas for the eventual start of baseball. What if all 30 teams were down in the you know Scottsdale, Phoenix area? You, you just play down there for an extended period of time. Drew catches up with Rockies right fielder Charlie Blackman, who is not happy about baseball's new rule changes or rule change ideas. I'm not a big change guy. I don't want to see a DH in the National League. It might be coming. You know, maybe I could, I could, you know, be convinced otherwise. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Broman. Does Welcome, everybody, to the uh, Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. I think it is uh, show number 38. I could be losing track, which I've already far exceeded my expectations in remembering what show it was. How are you doing? I'm good. I actually woke up this morning and asked somebody, what what day is it? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Did you see really quickly, because we have very important stuff to talk about off the top, but Julie, really quickly to your reference, did you see that... That, uh, uh, I don't know, something on social media where, you know, April has or January has 31 days and February has whatever. And March this year had like 8000 days. Didn't it seem that way? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I believe it. April's going to April's may may, in fact, be a little longer. Um, (laughs) I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. I mean, this is um, this 38. I think we're 38. Um, this podcast, Drew, I got to tell you, is going to be one of the more, um, it's definitely a different one. I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people reached out to us, heard that, uh, one of our very, very, very valued sponsors, Blair's Coffee, who's been with us from the start of the year, but we had a relationship long before that, um, their, their facility at 7295 Washington street, which we always talk about, um, it had a fire yesterday in Adams County and, um, I'll tell you this, it, it, it's going down as a total loss. I was I was one of the first there because it's right by my fire station where I work. Um, the storefront is, th- there's a shell left. I just sent you pictures. I would not be surprised that they um, rebuilt that. But Drew, Drew, that was, I mean, that was a day like that. Um, you know, working in a fire department, 80% of calls are medicals. I don't think people really realize that, but, and it's very rare that you get a big fire. This was a fire that the whole city saw, you know, there were helicopters there and there were news stations there and there were multiple fire stations there. And it was a weird experience for me because one is a PIO. I'm in, I'm in charge of the media and getting the message out. And on the other hand, I see this building burning that you and I have had so many meetings at Caitlin, who's a wonderful person that we deal with her on the marketing level. And it, you know, it was a, it was weird. It was weird. It's not the word. It was, it was, it really was not really a tough situation to watch that yesterday. And I know a lot of people thought in the news. Yeah, it, it was, it was surreal because it, it, it hit home for us and, and especially for you because um, I, I've been up there a number of times and you're right. We always talk about how charming it is and, and 
you know, Boyer's coffee is, is the best. And, um, but a lot of people like yourself who kind of, who work up there in Adams County, that is a, that's a landing point for them to, to meet, to not only have a cup of a great coffee, but, you know, maybe, uh, you know, meet some friends or to do a little work. I know you've done some work there. I brought some work up there on times when we're meeting Caitlin, the, the great news about this in a horrible, horrible situation is they are going to rebuild from, from what I've heard and briefly, um, you know, visiting with you about it and, and with Caitlin and, you know, it's a company that's been around a long time, but it, it was, it was surreal for, for us and especially for you because you work for the Adams County fire and it's, mm-hmm. it's in your neck of the woods and, and it's a, it's a mainstay for the fire folks up that way. Yeah, it was, um, that was the first big fire that I was, um, at, you know, my role as a PIO. So it started very small. I, st- I followed in, I was on the way to a meeting Truck 14 left. I'm based out of the admin where um, station 14 is. I, I said, oh, they're, you know, they're going to a call, turn into Boyers to the back. And it was very light smoke. And many, you know, many times it's light smoke and that's it. And they take care of it and it's over. And then as it proceeded, it was very fast, Drew. Um, you know, the smoke got heavier and heavier. And I, we always hear about first responders and how brave they are. And I got to see it for the first time. We had a crew go in very quickly assessed that it was dangerous fire conditions got up very quickly and then the the fire escalated and then all the you know then we it's a two alarm fire which means there was so much apparatus there we had um four aerial streams going which means you see the big ladders with water going in and the, it, it got up to that point and um you know it, it was it was something and it happened very quick um so yeah. fortunately fortunately nobody nobody was injured which is, you know, no, number one. Um, I did, uh, just so people know, for those that um, are uninitiated in, in that realm, PIO is Public Information Officer. Officer yes. So and, and that's, that's Julie's role with Adams County Fire, correct? Yes. So my job yesterday was to get all the information I could and then share with the stations, and all the stations came up um, and just, you know, share that information of what I could share and what we knew. So it definitely wasn't like talking about the NFL draft or the Rocky starting rotation. <laughs> no, no, but no, it was, uh, you know, we, these are, these are great friends of ours and we know, yeah. we know they're going to land on their feet and we, sure. and we wish them all the best. And we encourage you to continue to buy Boyer's uh, coffee in, in your local supermarkets and, um, and really support them. Uh, I know you have, you guys have done a great job in the past, but continue to do so, especially now um, moving forward. Real quick fire term that for years and years, Julie, I just learned this from you this afternoon when we were chatting. You, you always hear there there are terms, I think, that we use first responder terms and, and other terms. And, and it's like assumed that everybody knows what it is. And I guarantee 98 percent of the people don't know. So you know, I remember growing up in New York and you'd hear, you'd see, a, you know, a huge fire, um, you know, apartment fire in the city. And they'd say it was a three alarm blaze. And I'm like, OK, well, what is it? You know, when I was really little, I go, oh, the alarm rang three times. Right. But but you, you said this was a two alarm blaze, which means that there are four, four trucks and an engine and then twice that. So eight yeah. trucks and two engines. So it's whatever it doubles, it doubles what apparatus comes in. 
So I um, believe it was four engines. So it, you know, doubles to eight. Then a, a BC, a battalion chief always comes in to a structure fire. Um, mm-hmm. And what I, you know, people should also know, it's not just four from your area. It's the four of the, that are closest, you know? So like um, Thornton was there and Fed Heights was there and North Metro was there. It wasn't just Adams County. Right. And right. there's a, a two alarm fire and then four more engines come out. So South Adams you know, County came out and, um, Adams County sheriffs were there. I mean, it was a huge, huge response. Um, and then Washington street w- was obviously shut down. So, um, that was, you know, going on for hours. So yeah. Yeah. Well, again, we, we wish Boyer's, uh, all of the best. And somehow we were, we're going to segue to a little baseball. We'll tell you that uh, we have Charlie Blackman coming up in, in a little bit. Chuck will spend a good amount of time with us on the show and we'll talk about what he's been up to and, and what he perceives uh, will happen this year for the Rockies when baseball is finally uh, uh, on the field. And, and speaking of that, you know, everybody's kicking around, you know, various scenarios for all the sports when they start up and, and, in particular, baseball, Julie, I was thinking about this today. First of all, I cannot imagine when it does, you know, when the CDC and, and the government indicates that it is OK to start again. Mm-hmm. There's no way in the world that we're, we're playing in front of fans for a period of time. How long that period of time is, I have no idea, obviously, but the sports are going to start up in empty arenas and in empty stadiums initially. You, you don't see anything differently, do you? No, and I'm totally okay with that. I think that there's going to be – I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, if everything ends in Colorado, I think it's April 30th. It's not like May 1st. Well, we don't know. There's a lot of unknown. There's That's what's difficult about this is there's so much unknown. It's not like the day that they say, okay, you know, these restrictions are lifted, that everybody's going to feel 100% okay about that, right? So – um, I'm okay. I'm okay with, with not playing in front of fans just for safety issues. But the worst thing I think that could happen, Drew, is we go through all of this, all of whatever this means to every person, cause everybody's been through it and we, it comes back too early. Right. Cause then all right. was for not. So if you want to take extra precautions, maybe people think it goes a little too far. I am a hundred percent. Okay. With that. It's it. I agree. It's going to be a bit, a minute before, there's crowds, and that makes sense in the world we live today. Yeah, tell me what you think of this. Um, I, I was kicking this around with a buddy earlier um, who's in the game as well, and you could save a lot of money on travel costs. I mean, teams are losing a lot of money. There's a lot of folks, obviously, losing a lot of money. Um, and there's a heat factor to what I'm about to say. But let's just hypothetically say, Julie – in mid June, you you could get it rolling again. What if all thirty teams were down in the you know Scottsdale Phoenix area, mm-hmm. where there are fifteen spring training facilities, and that's all you need because right two teams came then you're playing one team's playing another team, and you you just play down there for an extended period of time. This way, there are no travel costs. Everybody everybody is in the Valley of the Sun. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you're playing, if the Dodgers are playing at their own facility or they're playing at, um, you know, 
the Rockies facility at Talking Stick. It doesn't matter. It's just got to be a a major league baseball field, and then you're going to have television, and that's it. Essential people uh, only. What's your uh, What's your thoughts on that? Do you think the teams you so you think that they do that only because to alleviate travel costs? Is that the reason to do that? Well, well but think think about this. Why? Let's say the Rockies are supposed to play three in Pittsburgh and then three in New York. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter because we're assuming there can't be fans initially. Right. So flying to Pittsburgh and playing in Pittsburgh, it's not benefiting any. It's not benefiting the the Pirates right. fan. Right. Um, and then you're going to go to New York. Like there are certain parts of the country which are you know hot spots. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you can get baseball going again, but you don't want to bring people into New York just yet. And yeah. so, yeah, it, it, you could save a lot in terms of, you know, again, travel costs, et cetera. I mean, uh, it probably the, there's challenges logistically, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess if there's going to be no fans, that, that takes away any kind of um, home field advantage. I have heard a couple guys players talking about I know there's a lot of talk about getting in at least a double header a week possibly two maybe those double headers would be seven innings were players worried that if they do too much this season and it goes too late you're risking injury and then it goes into next season so where do you weigh in on trying to cram everything I get trying to cram it in because you want there's a lot of money to be made up and fans were were dying for baseball especially with this nice weather although it's supposed to snow tomorrow but we're dying for baseball, but I do think there's something to be said for you got to be you have to be smart about it. Yeah, uh, I understand that you expand rosters even beyond, you know, the new rule this year. There's going to be a 26 man roster, I, I think, because of what has transpired, um, if and when they can get back on the field. Um, maybe it's 28 or even a 30 man roster, um, you know, especially if you're going to play one doubleheader a week or, or more. In, in terms of the injuries, in terms of the regular season going through October and now the, the you know, the, the postseason into November and warm weather, neutral site stadiums. Guess what, Julie, 100 years from now, when you're reading about the history of the 21st century, this will be a major event that you are, you're going to read about. It has affected the globe. It has not just affected our corner of the world. It's affected everybody on Earth. And so guess what? You can play extra games if one year you play double headers that are only seven innings in length in each game. That's okay. And if you don't have as long a off season, that's okay. Everybody has to adjust. I, I you, you know, there's one other thing uh, I've, I want to mention that could be the one benefit or good thing that comes out of what has been a horrific experience for for everybody this pandemic but specific to baseball Julie it, it seemed for the first time in 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 more than a couple of decades that there was a real possibility 
when the CBA expired, the collective bargaining agreement at the end of 2021, there could be a work stoppage because the players felt like they really did poorly in the last CBA a few years ago. They have stockpiled money as a strike fund. And, you know, the rhetoric, you know, between the two sides had not been great um, for a while. Now, there is no way on God's green earth, either side can walk away. Could you imagine what that would do to the sport after everything the world's been through in, in North America the last, uh, you know, this year in 2020, if after 2021 players or the owners go, yep, no, there's going to be a, a work stoppage. That ain't happening. No, things are just going to start. Those kind of conversations are just <clears throat> start sounding so petty after um, everything that, that people have been through. So many people are going to lose are losing their jobs, have lost their jobs. And we're going to see the effect of that for some time. We technically haven't even hit the peak. Yeah, there's going to be some conversations, sports conversations that the first second they happen, please, somebody that's there, a report, raise your hand and say, stop, stop. Right. Do you yeah, realize? Stop. And I, I hope you, you know that's going to happen, but I would hope that most people would, would follow common sense. Yes, I would hope so. Hey, again, uh, we're going to have Charlie coming up, but right now I want to tell you about our good friends at Ideal Home Loans. They'll bring us the Charlie Blackman interview in moments. You know, rates uh, I saw the other day had dropped down uh, to, you know, again, super, super low levels. And uh, with all the difficult times that people are going through right now, Julie was just alluding to it and, and going forward, there is the opportunity to, to save money. And we all, especially now, are looking to do that. So give Ideal Home Loans a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. They may be able to really help you out even more so now in this most difficult uh, period of time, whether it's consolidating debt, refinancing, saving a few hundred dollars a, a month on your on your current mortgage. Um, now is the time. Do a, do a quick fact-finding mission with them. You're going to find them super accommodating, super easy to deal with, and very thorough in everything that they do. 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans. And they bring us our interview this week with Chuck Nasty, Charlie Blackman. Well, it's... Uh it's a different environment to uh, to talk to someone like yourself, and this is uncharted waters for everybody. How are you handling this overall, Chuck? <laughs> oh, I think I'm handling it quite well. Um, it is just the complete opposite of what I'm used to. But I think that's the hardest part. You you know, usually you you have this off season where there's you're on your own. There's no schedule. And you, you kind of look forward to coming back to play the game. But then once you start, you're used to having the next seven, eight months planned out every single day. And now to not know anything, you know, have nothing planned out. It's just, it's, it's just a bizarre feeling. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I got a call the other day from somebody who you know, um, that I hadn't heard from in a long time. It was Todd Helton. And he was just touching base and saying hello, et cetera. And, I th- and I'm going to make the analogy to yourself because, you know, naturally asked him how he's doing, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, hunting and fishing. And I'm like, this is like the perfect disease. Unfortunately, this is terrible. I'm not gallows humor for someone like 
Todd Helton or Charlie Blackman because it's not illegal to go out and, I guess, put yourself in a river somewhere and, and throw a, uh, a fly. Um, you're, you're away from people. You're not, you're not going to uh, you know, affect anybody. So from that standpoint, you know, you're an individual, right? Absolutely. I, uh, I, I feel at times I feel a little cooped up, you know, but the good thing is, is, is I'm in Denver right now writing it out. And really one of the safest places I can be is if, if I go up to the mountains by myself or, if I, you know, take my wife or somebody who's not sick, you know, take them with me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to catch it up there in isolation. Right. Um, so I've been able to keep my sanity by still um, going fishing and continuing to work out and 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 have the, I you know I have that outlet where I can leave the house and it doesn't necessarily have to be social. Yeah. How how did it play initially in the clubhouse? I mean, you guys are world class athletes. You're young. You 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 spend your life being in you know the best possible shape that that is you know humanly possible and you know people say well there's this virus and you have to protect yourself and uh and now we've seen this whole thing evolve and it's you know it's a, it's a worldwide crisis how, how did it play out from a from an athlete's perspective initially into where we are now well at first I, I feel like people didn't really believe it was going to be serious um and it's still i mean it's it's still kind of hard to figure out, like, it's certainly dangerous, you know, but, you know, how dangerous is it in, in terms of, like, you know, I personally don't know anybody that's infected, right? But at the same time, like, it's, I mean, it's, it can be deathly dangerous, uh, and it has been for a while now. And so it's, you, you just never really think it's going to be that serious because baseball always goes on, you know, like, there's always baseball. And, sure. and for the first time, like, well, now, like, now it's really, yeah, absolutely, it's serious. We're not playing the game. Uh, and it's, 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 it's time to be playing baseball. And, and here I am, you know, sitting at home wondering when we're going to get started. Yeah. In a strange way, has it allowed you, you know, you, for, for years and years and years, I mean, you're going back to high school and travel ball and, you know, college and, and, and collegiate leagues. April, in May, and uh, these are not months that you really have off. There, as you said earlier, it's already been designated what you're going to do. So I know you're getting your workouts in, and you're swinging the bat, and, and you're and you're able to lift down at Coors Field. Um, but other than that, is it availing you an opportunity to do things that that you know? Wow, I, I, normally I wouldn't have been able to do this on a you know Tuesday afternoon. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think of it like that really. It, Cause for me, it's, it's, I've done all this hard work all off season and we had, you know, most of a spring training and, and then I've been told to go home. So now I have this incredible anxiety, like that I'm going to go backwards, right? I've, I've worked so hard to get ready for this season and to build my body up. And so now I'm, I'm really focused on trying to keep it there and be ready as close to as ready as I can be to play the game. I'm not really, uh, I wouldn't treat, you know, April the same if, if, you know, in 15 years when I'm done playing baseball, like, you know, I'm still very 
very focused and, and I don't consider myself off right now. We're just not playing games right. at 20th and Blake. What, what are you, um, what concerns you the most with the, the fact that, you know, the season is delayed and, and we don't obviously have any idea when it will start. Um, is it, you know, physically keeping, maintaining your strength or trying to uh, have some sort of timing still swinging a bat, um, which, which, which concerns you the most? Um, I don't, I try not to worry about my baseball skills so much. Um, you know, I'm doing what I can do. I'm, I'm, you know, playing catch, I'm running, I'm hitting the cage. I'm, you know, I'm doing those things that, that I need to be doing to be ready to play the game. And then, you know, outside of that, I kind of just let myself make my adjustments on the field. I don't worry about those off the field. The things that worry me are, you know, staying in physical shape, um, you know, making sure that I don't waste away a hard off season of lifting and training by, you know, sitting on my butt for two weeks doing nothing. You know, that's, that's what I am concerned about the most right now. Yeah. What things, because you are someone that is maniacal about taking care of your body and, 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 continuing to get better. So as you are, you know, well into your thirties now, which is a young person, but we make, we make it sound so ancient in professional athletics. Um, what was your goal, um, you know, prior to the whole COVID thing going into 2020? Um, and when I say goal, I'm not talking about numeric goals. I'm talking about where did you, where did you feel like, Hey, I want to be better. Um, and I, and I can be better physically because I've done X, Y, and Z as, as you led up into spring training this year? Um, so this year I've, I've decided I, I want to move well um, and feel good, you know, doing athletic movements on the field as opposed to in the past that was, I wanted to be the absolute strongest guy out there, or the absolute fastest guy out there. Now I kind of, from the ground up, I want everything to work together very well. And so that has included a lot more uh, soft tissue, um, you know, minor activation of smaller muscles, um, more balance, uh, foot strength, core strength. Um, like uh, explosive movements, you know, not isolated uh, curls, but maybe, a, you know, a full body movement that incorporates my legs, then my core, and then my arms. You know, I, I just want to make sure that I can put it all together functionally on the field and, and try and be as healthy as I can. Right. You know, what, one of the things that is going to be, Part of the discussion in the National League in the very near future, evidently, is, is the DH because everybody I've talked to, uh, it seems to be coming. And for someone like yourself, who's always taken great pride in being a good defender and for years a center fielder, obviously last year you moved to a corner, um, playing at altitude, which is a challenge if you're 20, much less if you're into your 30s, um, is that something you've looked at and say, hey, you know what, this is going to be a nice benefit for me in that I won't have to necessarily play the field every day. I can still get my four or five at bats. Um, if, if, and when uh, the DH comes to the national league. 
I'm not really buying that one. I don't. I personally don't like to DH. I've done it in interleague play. I, I feel like I'm not a contributor. You know, I, it's tougher because you gotta you gotta occupy half the time doing something else. You know, besides right. playing. You know, I don't I don't really like it. I do think uh I think they've kinda they they've dropped the ball on defensive metrics in Coors Field, but I you know, I do think there'll be a time where maybe it makes sense for me to, to do something uh or at least partially DH if it's available in the National League. But I I personally don't I I'm not a big change guy. I don't want to see a DH in the National League. It might be coming. Um, you know, maybe I could, I could, you know, be convinced otherwise, uh, if it, if it relates to health and safety of pitchers, you know, like that's, there's such a, pitchers are so specialized that to ask them to run bases and turn and, and bunt and hit and run, you know, like all those things, I mean, you know, that, maybe that's, that's not the best way to keep our pitchers healthy. You know, I, I don't know, but, uh, I do think it's interesting. I think there'll be a conversation about it uh, in the coming years. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt it's coming. I'm with you. I grew up a National League guy. Obviously, I've I've made my living the last 20 years in the National League. Um, I enjoy the strategy of the National League. Um, you know, to try to put my, you know, my feet in your shoes. I, I agree. Even at the you know at the levels I played. Uh, baseball, there, there was something to, you know, being able to impact the game defensively uh, in the times you weren't able to impact the game offensively and um, to, you know, to, to kind of spin on a, on a, on a stationary bike in between at bats. I mean, I get it. It's, that would be, that would be really difficult, but um, it, it, it apparently is coming. So, you know, we'll see since we're on the, on the talk of, uh, of DH, Charlie, when you, when you look at some of the rule changes for this year, and this leads me to a, a couple of topics, but number one, what do you got on on now uh, a reliever has to face, unless it's the end of an inning, has to face a minimum of three hitters? What do you got on that? I don't like it. I don't know why we did it. Um, I, you know, I don't want games to last three and a half hours, but I don't know that this is the best way to achieve what it is we wanted to achieve. Um, and you know, frankly, it helps me. I'm you know, as a left-handed hitter, I'm less likely to see the lefty specialist. But at the same time, you know, I'm a fan of the National League. I like the strategy. I, I like uh, I like it to be tough on the managers to figure out how they're going to match up and, and navigate a, a lineup with their bullpen and their personnel based on you know, that night and who's available, who's tired, who's been good, who's been bad. Um, you know, now I think you're going to have a lot more spring training games played in the summertime. You know, it's like, all right, you know, this guy throws and then it's, you know, this guy throws a whole inning and this guy throws a whole inning, you know, and I think that's just kind of how it's going to go. Um, and, and yeah, maybe, maybe you cut down on some pitching changes, uh, in the middle of an inning, but, I think it's it's just I don't, I don't once again it's it's change that I don't feel we need. 
Yeah, I, here, here's my point to it. And um, uh, you've met, I think, all my boys and, and, you know, two of them played college baseball and one still in high school. You know, my, my kids all eat, drink, sleep baseball. They, they understand baseball. They understand the subtleties of baseball. They certainly understand the, the pain and how difficult the sport is um, to play. And they're of the next generation, and they're naturally huge Rockies fans, and they're abundantly aware of how you all are doing on a nightly basis. And and you know when Charlie, you know when you hit a home run, boom, they're they're aware of it. But they don't watch the game like I did when I was, you know, eighteen. I I didn't, you know, you know, I'd park myself in front of the television and watch the Mets with my dad, and and you watched the two and a half hour, three hour, whatever it was baseball game. I honestly believe with today's generation, if you shaved an hour off the games, if they went from all of a sudden an average of 310 to 210, you're still not getting that next generation to sit there and consume the game in the same way. And I don't know if the powers that be understand that. What's your take on that? Uh, You know, I think, I think the core fan base, you know, the the baseball fans will sit there and they love the game and they want to watch the game. Uh, and I do think there is a shift in culture, though, that's moving towards the highlights, right? Like, like even as a kid, like I would watch the whole game, but I really like to get up the next morning and watch the highlights from all the leagues, you know, like American League, National League, all the games, watch all the homers, you know, and, and that was a cool way for me to watch baseball. Right. Um, but when the Braves came on that night in Atlanta, I would watch the Braves, uh, the whole, you know, the whole game. You know, I would, I would go out, you know, you know, maybe eat dinner in there somewhere, but, um, but we watched the whole game. And, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I do think three and a half hours is long. That's a, I mean, it's, it's tough to play three and a half hours. I mean, it's hard to be, you know, fresh and in shape enough to really focus three and a half hours in a, a big league contest. You know, I mean, and, and that's, you know, three and a half hours in, that's when you see the guy who's throwing 98, right? Like that's the toughest, the toughest guys to face. Um, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, I, yeah, I wish the games were a, a little bit shorter, especially, you know, at Coors Field at altitude. Um, but, you know, it's it's partly because of the way you play. You know, players players get paid. You know, if if you want, if you pay guys to strike people out and hit home runs, you're going to get a whole lot of players that want to do, you know, hit homers and and, and strike people out. And, and that's kind of the game we've enabled. Um, but that's a super exciting game. It, it, you know, when they hit their homers and when they make those strikeouts. So uh, it's tough to say. Yeah. What would what would you um, what would your thought be on? Because in spring training this year, I don't know if you caught it, but I think it was Rizzo and uh, Bryant for the Cubs in one of their spring training games. They were mic'd up and you, you were, you know, hysterical. I thought the time in the All-Star game where they had you mic'd up and you're running all over the place. And and I get it. An All-Star game is an exhibition game playing a regular season game where, uh, your focus is, you know, so acute. The last thing you want to do is have a microphone on. But, you know, if if it was to be like, okay, you know, once every three weeks, 
I wear a microphone and, and obviously it's not, it's not live, but it's, it's something done through, um, you know, through the truck and it's, so nobody's embarrassed or that sort of thing. Um, again, trying to find ways to make you guys, um, you know, some of the personalities to come out because this has been one of the criticisms in the game of baseball. You know, the NBA has done a really good job of marketing itself, you know, the NFL as well, but baseball seems to be, you know, lacking in that regard. Would you, would you be willing to do something like that as intense as you are once you roll into a stadium? Uh, I don't, I think that's going to hinder my ability to play the game. And, and therefore it's like out of the question. Um, right. You know, in the all-star game, it, you know, spring training, that's a little bit different. But baseball is so mental. Like, I've spent so much time trying to train my brain to work a certain way. If you then hook up a microphone to me and say, do everything completely differently, you're, you're not going to get the same baseball player. So, uh, you know, that's that's not something, you know, and maybe you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I don't know. Like, you know, like maybe if, if that was just normal, you know, Guys can get used to just about anything. Um, you know, we, we've changed the rules. We've been, you know, now we have clocks in baseball. You know, like guys have been able to get used to a lot of things that I thought I would never get used to. And so, you know, maybe that's, that's the way to do it. But, you know, it's not something I'm going to push for. Right. No, I, I get it. Do you have any, before we leave the topic, do you have any, uh, ideas that you think could enhance, um, making you guys, you know, more marketable, more making the sport, um, you know, more desirable to that next generation? I just think the more access people have to players, the, the better they can relate to them or they get better they can, they can attach themselves to a certain player because of a certain thing that he does on or off the field. Um, you know, it's a team sport, and you mostly see what happens on the field, and baseball does not have a culture. It's shifting, but, you know, the culture is very respectful and professional, and maybe that's not as entertaining as something that's less so. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think, you know, social media is a great way Um TV, reality TV, like I think that's kind of exciting. It's, it's fun to see your player, or, you know, someone from your team do something that you also like to do that isn't professional baseball. Hey, when it comes to the Rockies in 2020, 2017, 2018, outstanding postseason. Obviously, the seasons didn't end as as you would like, but the Rockies were really good. Last year was a was a disappointment. Clearly, what, what's the mindset? And when you look around your clubhouse, uh, do you feel like nationally this team's being underestimated? Yes, I say that every year. You know, it's it really comes down to: Are we going to stay healthy, and are we going to perform right? If, if your team underachieves, you're not going to play well. If your team gets hurt, you're not going to play well. You know, a couple of years ago, we stayed healthy and performed well, and we made it to the playoffs. And that's something we're capable of. We have more or less the same personnel, same talent on this team, but more experience now. I think our ceiling is higher than it was then. 
Is there any, uh, hey, Charlie, are there any names of, of some young guys or some maybe guys that Rockies fans are familiar with that you feel are, are ready to kind of take that next step and, and really blossom? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think our young players are are super talented and a strength of our team. And, and right, we've seen uh, Kyle Freeland be really good, and, and I expect him to be really good again. I think Ryan McMahon took a huge step forward last year and really showed me that he could play defense and he could make adjustments. And, and um, you know, I expect him to be better this year. Um, Romel Tapia was having an unbelievable spring training and had really made some adjustments where I, I, I felt like this was going to be and, and still is going to be a, a, a big year for him. And I think he's going to put turn in his best season yet. And then uh, I do think David Dahl can really hit. And I'd like to see, I guess we're not going to see a full season out of him, but uh, we're not going to see a full season out of anybody, but I'd like to to see what he can do to build on what he's done the past couple of years. Hey, Charlie, last one, because this is uh, this has been brought up with the season, you know, still the uncertainty of it, you know, it'll be condensed. How condensed? Um, are, are you okay with double headers? Are you okay with jamming? you know, more games into into a much tighter calendar than what is normally played? Yes. I, I want to see as close to a full season as we can get. I want to play a lot of baseball. Um, doubleheaders are fine. You know, I, I think we'll have, you know, we'll have 26 guys on the roster, maybe even more this year, right, if we're going to yeah. put that games in a short amount of time. Like, we may have expanded rosters. We'll have extra help. And, you know, I, I think for playoff's sake, we owe it to the fans to play as many games as we can so that we know who the best teams are to, to let them get promoted to the playoffs. Well, listen, um, I wish you continued good health, most importantly. And uh, I look forward greater than normal to seeing you uh, to seeing you real soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Drew. Appreciate you. Yeah. Take care, man. Be good. Give me a beat. That was the Ideal Home Loans interview of the week, Charlie Blackman. So things like Charlie Blackman, you know, he talked about Kyle Freeland, excited about Kyle Freeland. Um, and we're all kind of going through the same things. Read an article the other day about Kyle Freeland talking about, God, it's just it's baseball season. There's really nothing to look forward to. We talk about everybody goes, we're all going through this, but we really all are going through this. Kyle Freeland, Charlie Blackman. I mean, it's one experience, no matter what you do in life, no matter how old you are, it's it's a little unifying, I guess you could say. Yeah, it, it's just bizarre because if you're a player or a, a broadcaster, this is the time of year where you're, you know, every morning you wake up, you're starting your preparation for, you know, the ball game that evening. And, and you know, we're taping on a Wednesday night, Julie. Uh, the Rockies would be – have finished a series in LA this afternoon in the air right now mm-hmm. on their way home. Tomorrow would be an off day, a little workout at Coors Field and Friday would be the home opener. And Julie, you know, a lot of times, you know, in sports, you can say, Oh, you know, this team has the best fans. And, and, you know, we, we always cater naturally to the home team folks. Um, in, in the case of the Rockies and Coors Field, they do opening day as well as, if not better than everyone in baseball. It yeah. truly is a major, major event. I'm not saying it's not a big deal in other cities. 
um, because I've, I've been to a million other cities for opening day doing what I do. I'm telling you, nobody does it quite like Denver. And we typically have great weather. And whoa, 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 whoa. let me stop you there. I know you're inside your comfy, comfy booth. I love opening right. day. But that opening day, was it, it couldn't have been last year. I know I'm losing my mind on dates, but or two years ago, yeah. it was so flipping cold. Other yeah, there was, I know there was one in there. There was one or two in there that well, I, I know. But when it's nice and it's 70 degrees and there's 50,000 people inside and there's got to be, you know, Julie, what, 150,000 people outside and oh, in yeah. the bars and restaurants. Yeah. No, it's it's the place to be. I would say that 20 percent of tickets to that game <laughs> and then um, everybody else. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? It will happen. It's going to happen down the line. There will be an opening day. It'll be a different kind of opening day, but, um, it's always, it's like a little national or it's a little like state holiday, I think here in Colorado, because yeah. we definitely do it right. So it yeah. will happen. Yeah. It's always, it's good. It's always good to hear from Charlie. I mean, Charlie has, you know, a unique perspective and he's a deep thinker. And, um, he, I, I found it interesting. Didn't you, that right now, just he and Garrett Hampson, off the top of his head are working out in Denver and they, you know, they have a weight room and stuff to go to because they just go down a course field and they can hit there and they can throw there. Um, but most everybody else I think is still in Arizona. Yeah. You know, I guess that makes sense. Uh, there a lot of people have, you know, places to sit. Some of the guys, I think, as you know, they either bought a place or rented a place. There's a place to say there's a facility there. There's a workout place there. Probably the, some of the trainers are still there. It's probably the best place for them to be. One of the frustrations about everything going on is not finding a place, you know, to work out. But as you know, Salt River Fields is phenomenal. The facilities there, so I guess it would make sense um, for them to stay there. But it's nice that Charlie's back here with us in Colorado. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So before we depart, do you have we have to leave people with with additional good news to okay. you know through these most difficult times. What do you have for everybody? Okay. Last night I ordered a combo number two from McDonald's, which is a large fry and two <laughs> cheeseburgers. And I had I opened a bottle of La Crema, which is a great Chardonnay, and that was my dinner. And people, it was unbelievable. I'm just saying if you think it, do it. Why Mickey Mickey D's and La Crema, huh? Yes. Yes. It was awesome. You you know, you you know me and and not only a bit of a food snob, but also I like to be careful what I put in right. the temple and all that BS, right? Mm -hmm. Um the other day I had a craving for one of my, my youngest's like favorite place to go. I went to Five Guys. Mm. You don't like Five Guys? No, I do. That was a that was a moment. oh oh I'm sorry. Yeah. Five, the, the fries at Five Guys are like out of this world. So so you and I were kind of thinking along the same way. That's our feel good story. You know what? Feed yourself. Feed 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 your soul. And uh, we're going to get through this, and we're going to try to get through this together. And we always appreciate um, your uh, your listening to us and indulging us. And we wish all the best. Uh, to all of you and to our to our good friends at Boyer's Coffee as they recover as well. And uh, Julia, I haven't seen you in a while because of uh, our, our social distancing. Um, stay well and uh, and and please a big thank you, honestly, uh, to the folks you work with, uh, the first responders up in Adams County, not only for 
for all, all their yeoman duty uh, yesterday um, as we speak with, with the Boyer's fire, but with, with all they're doing right now in these most difficult circumstances. Thank you. I couldn't have been uh, more proud of, uh, of the firefighters that I work with. And so I will see you next week. Be safe. You got it. Take care, everybody. It's a-